This is such a cool state. I mean, come on, live free or die. You're the state where the shot was heard around the world. That last Senate I don't know if you're aware you're in New Hampshire. People in New Hampshire don't care about money. You can't buy a vote in New Hampshire. They want to see you, they want to touch you. I would like to do small groups, but if we announce that I'm coming to like a restaurant, all of a sudden there's, you know, a thousand people show up. His imagination must not be married to real power. Why not? You just don't want to see us fall backwards. You go to New Hampshire, there are not any minorities there and nobody lives there. Liar! Thank you, New Hampshire. And now, from the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, the existential flagship of presidential primary activity, your host, the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, Neil Levesque, and because every ship needs a rusty anchor, Josh McKelvin. New Hampshire Live starts now. Uh, welcome back to New Hampshire Live. Josh McKelvin here, Neil Levesque. Uh, couldn't make this one, so uh, sitting in for Neil, we have Mike Dennehy, GOP strategist, and we're Lucky to be also joined by uh, Governor Bill Weld, looking seriously at a candidacy for the GOP. Have you thought? Yeah, officially I'm, announced. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, April, April 15th, I'm over the top and in with both feet. You're in. So, Josh, Mike, thank you for having me here. How's it going? It's going great. I mean, the, the New Hampshire part is particularly pleasing for me. I've spent a lot of time in this state over the years. Uh, live free or die is kind of my, my private motto as well. So uh, it's like uh, home cooking. Uh, and I'll be spending a lot of time in all of uh, all of New England. Um, I'm not getting any pushback from the voters I meet in the street or in diners. They all say, "Yeah, yeah, we think you got a point. We think you might be right about this." But obviously, the the state parties is a different matter. They report directly to Washington D.C. and that news report, and those are essentially the Trump organizations in the various states. So. They're they're not uh, they're not prepared to be helpful at all. As a matter of fact, they tried to abolish the first in the nation primary in New Hampshire, which kind of fell with the thud. Who tried to abolish? The state committee was proposing that they abandon the neutrality role okay. uh, rule yeah. and not have a primary. And by extension, sure. I mean that would have been problematic. But yeah, <laughs> Mike, it's always in peril, right? It seemed like well, a primary. that is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that of course you know that's been attempted in the past. Um, a lot of other states actually have committee chairs and and uh, county and state chairs who can endorse in the primary, and it seems crazy. It's been uh, it, it, why I liked it or why I do like it is because it forces you to move beyond the apparatus of the party to get support. Well, that's exactly why I like it too. Yeah. And, and of yeah. course, that's exactly what I have to do in yes, order right. to have uh, a chance here yeah. to do well is to uh, uh, broaden the electorate, and it's not just going and shaking hands. I mean, my policy proposals, I think, are calculated uh, to do that. For example, I put a lot of emphasis on balancing the budget, not having a deficit uh, added to, and uh, Mr. Trump has added, uh, you know, $3 trillion in his two and a half years, plus another $7 trillion in his uh, recent seven-year proposal for the, the last budget that came out about a month ago. So that's adding $10 trillion to the deficit. And millennials get that they're going to be saddled with that. You know, that's a problem for them. And if that doesn't turn around, they're never going to see Social Security. And actually, the polling suggests that they already don't think they're going to see Social Security. So uh, I think that's an unfair burden on them. And I will say so. And don't care, uh, you know, who's who's listening. Uh, it's, it's, an important, it's an important discussion. But for these purposes... Look, Governor, I mean, I've, I've interviewed you several times, and uh, but now in this capacity, you do a podcast where it's a little more uh, 
fund. So as while the budget's important and trillions of dollars of uh, debt is concerning. Oh, I've um, got fun, I gotta ask you. I have funner issues than that. Let's, not, let's, let's, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. I mean, you've been at, at, in this game for a long time. Give us your assessment of. <laughs> give us your opinion of where we're at in this country as far as discourse, media, uh, all of it. I think the media is fine. Uh, that's not a problem. And, you know, the president is trying to persuade everyone that a free press is the enemy of the people. Please. We fought. You'd agree, fight. though, that there's objectivity is hard to find these days. I mean, I'm former media, and from the national perspective, I think that there, you, the responsibility on the viewer has never been greater to try to find the well, difference that, between that, fact that, and That's right, but I'll tell you, I, I came up as a, as a prosecutor. I had seven years in the Justice Department, uh, ending and being head of the criminal division in Washington. And I was, uh, and then when I got to be running for governor, I always told the media, and I believe this, that uh, I like the media because I came up as a prosecutor and we're, we're on the same side. We're both trying to tear down the temple walls, uh, meaning bad temples, not good temples. <laughs> uh, and I do think that's true. And I think uh, when the president uh, takes off after a free press, which, of course, is smack in the middle of the First Amendment to the Constitution, it's another example of him, in my opinion, not knowing what he's talking about. So I think that, that's, a, that's a fun issue. Um, (laughs) I think, uh, you know, those who know me know that I'm an outdoorsman through and through. I'm not a fake outdoorsman who has to go buy all his clothes at Cabela's before he shows up for the photo op in New Hampshire. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, you know, the environment, I grew up in the woods, I've moved back to the woods, I'm at home in the woods. Uh, and uh, I can see the Donald Trump tweet right now. Yeah, with, with what you just said. Okay, of course he's in the woods. Yeah, what does that mean? I've been talking about that. Well, like, uh, a lot of people. Uh, listen, I think yeah. I think uh, knowing your way around the woods is a great thing. And I've I've said before to audiences that uh, the, the the clearest religious experience I've ever had was in the Cathedral of the Pines in Ringe, New Hampshire. When you stand in the middle of all those pines and you look up and you can just see the sky and the tips of the trees, uh, as they say, it's impossible not to think that God is in this place. How long ago was that? It was 20 years ago. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more than that. I mean, I I think I was not even in any office at that point. But but it's it's true. And uh, if you're a hunter and uh, if you enjoy fishing, it's not about how many animals you kill or how many fish you catch. It's the process, and uh, I, I've sometimes said that the outdoors is my cathedral. Yeah. Anyway, this is leading into my fun issue, okay. uh, which is uh, which is climate change and the polar ice cap melting and what that's going to do, if, and, and energy, uh, what we're going to do to cut down carbon emissions in the future. I'm tingling already. Well, you know, uh, there there is an answer to that question, uh, and it's uh, to get the right energy mix in the future, which would be wind and solar and hydro, since we're so close to Canada uh, here. And I think we got to add nuclear and have that be about 25% of the base. And people sit around and say, why couldn't they invent something that uh, can create almost unlimited power uh, to, to power our electric society, and yet has zero CO2 emissions? And they have. It's called the atom. Uh, and I think nuclear power is perfectly safe unless you build a humongous nuclear plant on top of a barrier reef in a part of the world that's subject to tsunamis, which is exactly what they did at Fukushima. And uh, I've been around a lot of rural counties. I remember doing so in upstate New York. 
that would love to have a you know vest pocket nuclear plant. Good employer, very good neighbor. And uh, you know, I looked into uh, what happened uh, when they went seventy-five uh, percent nuclear in the country of France, maybe uh, thirty years ago. So it was the largest, uh, the most severe drop in CO2 emissions mm -hmm. measured anywhere. So I think there are answers there, but the president has a one-word uh, slogan, which is hoax. And the president says the future of the energy industry in this country is coal and oil. I'm so sorry, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, so, Governor, what we didn't uh, cover in our last radio discussion was that you were my governor, actually. And um, tell me where you grew up in Massachusetts or spent a lot of your time in Massachusetts. You were a, um, what was your district before? Well, I lived in Cambridge for 25 years. But oh, when I say I grew up in the woods, yeah. I didn't grow up in Mass. I grew up in uh, Long Island, New York, in Smithtown, right okay. in the middle of Long Island, right. right on a big lake. See, I uh, didn't even know that. Hundreds of acres of uh, woods right on the Canadian flyway. So those yeah. yellow legs, the black ducks, would come practically right over our house. In, uh, in duck season, yep. uh, had upland shooting at the same time, so it was it was a wonderful, wonderful life. And I try to sample the same things when I'm up, up here. I go to a place uh, called Gilson, which is 15 minutes north of Keene, yes, and sir. Uh, there's an association there that has a couple of uh, trout ponds and a pickerel pond, and it has 2,000 acres that you can just tramp through, and that's my idea of a good time. Yeah. I know you wouldn't engage in something unless you identified a pathway. I mean, you didn't achieve the status that you have in life without thinking that through. Uh, it can't be an easy pathway, at least with what you built up. Otherwise, ex explaining it would make you, it sound like... You, you may misjudge me, Josh, if you think I, I need an easy pathway. You know, the first time I ever... Sorry, sir. The, the first time I ran for office, I got annihilated by Frank Bellotti, who was the sitting attorney general of Mass. 71 to, uh, no, 79 to 21. People thought it must have been a multi-party race when I told them I got 21% <laughs> right. of the vote. So next time out, it's 12 years later, I'm running for governor. Bellotti is running for governor as a Democrat, and he's favored to win. People say, what are you doing? And I was sub-asterisk when I started. I just came back from seven years in the Justice Department, and I was... Very, uh, very conscious of having to stay within the four corners of the indictment, never to express any emotion or you no know, excitement. The opposite of what a politician needs to do. So I was just a dreadful candidate. And then, you know, I went along and uh, I was way behind in the Republican primary. But the independents came in six to one for me in the Republican primary and, and gave me that win, which was an upset. And then Frank Bellotti got upset in the Democratic primary. Pierce and Silver, right? Uh, was it Pierce? Who Pierce you was my opponent. And then very, Silver very beat Bellotti? Guy. Yes, yep. Pierce was a great guy. Great guy. Yes. And, 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 and Silver beat Bellotti. Yeah. And then and I was 11 points behind John Silver yeah. with a week to go. And he blew up on television, insulted a I couple of female anchors. And, you know, so I was swept into office with 50.01% of the vote. Okay. Yeah. Four years later, I got 71% of the vote. So I have set... The record in Massachusetts for the biggest losing margin and the biggest <laughs> winning. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> but you know what? You bring up an interesting point. I mean, I know that you got to run pretty quick, but I want to get your take on this. Uh, there was an event that took place outside of your control that made that 50.1 possible. Obviously, we know what's going on in Washington, D.C. these <laughs> days. Uh, you know, the impeachment hearings. I mean, we'll see. 
I, and I know how folks love to talk about hypothetical situations, especially in politics. No, you don't. But in the event that this ever evolved to the point to where Donald Trump became, uh, he can't run again. Now you're the only announced candidate. Have you identified that scenario in your head? Oh yeah. No, I've run all the I've run all the scenarios, and I'll tell you something. If that happened, I'd have a lot of company real quick. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes you would. How's Gary Johnson doing? Obviously, you ran with him last time. Well, uh, Gary and I have it almost like a brother relationship. We we overlap for a term as governors, which is why as Republican governors, which is why I accepted his invitation to run on his ticket uh, last time. And he's the same guy. He's just uh, full of humor and. Uh, Full of energy and very different personalities, though, which actually seem to work with you two. Yeah, you well, know? Gary's more laid back than I am. On the other hand, he's an extreme athlete. Gary's more laid back than Snoop Dogg, <laughs> <laughs> but he goes on fifteen hundred mile uh, bike races. Yeah, you know? no, he's, he's on awesome. hot air ballooning. He's, like he's an lot. amazing athlete. I like him a lot. But so, is New Hampshire the key? The key to this whole thing? No, I think it's broader than that. I mean, I think I've got to show my stuff here, uh, but I'll probably be concentrating on 10, 15 states, you know, during that same time period. Uh, but I think, you know, if I'm going to uh, go all the way or even get the Republican nomination, it's going to be because people who are now exhausted by this president and, and baffled by the bad blood in Washington, D.C., which causes almost nothing to get done, they're just going to say, we've had enough of this. We, we want somebody more reasonable and somebody who's serious about the job. And I'm just starting to put it in those terms. But I, I don't think President Trump is serious about the job. And right now, people haven't... He, he's such a good showman that people don't see that. But I think that may become increasingly clear as we go go forward. And that would be that would be my path. Mike, anything you want to add as a GOP strategist? You're kind enough to sit in? Yeah, well, I, we don't have much time. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, uh, uh, go down that road. Can we do this again? Day. Yeah. We'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, do it again. Best of luck to you moving forward. Okay. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Uh, Thanks, yeah. Governor. Good to see you. Great. See you.